Glazer here, another Baseball America playoff podcast. Kyle, I, you're on the West Coast. You get this. You're, you're lucky, I have to say. I'm an East Coaster. I'm hurting a little bit today. I, I'm glad I stayed up. I, I enjoyed watching what was a, I thought, a, 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 an epic game. Uh, you know, I had kind of, we had heroes. We had heroes really more than we had goats in that game, I, I felt like. But that said, those 1 a.m. Uh, finishes on the East Coast are, are never one that I'm going to, uh, going to really uh, celebrate too much when, uh, when, when that alarm goes off at 6.45 in the morning. Um, but, man, that was a good game last night. And the, the thing I'll start with kind of with you, Kyle, is, is as the dog joins in, is um, – I felt like that that was a game that the Astros really needed to win. And it, whereas for the Yankees, it would have been a nice win. And so the team that really needed the W pulled off the W. I, I think that's fair. I mean, especially when you consider just the idea of going back to New York down 2-0 was going to be very, very prohibitive for the Astros. Um, look, Carlos Correa, we talk about big players coming up big in October. Carlos Correa getting the RBI double, making the play to throw out LeMahieu at the plate, coming up with the walk-off home run. Um, you know, it's been a, kind of a rough two years with Carlos Correa, just with various injuries. He had the uh, mysterious masseuse injury this year. Um, it'll be good to know that 2019 will not be defined by that for him. Um, again, these are two incredibly talented teams. I did not get a chance to join the podcast when we made our predictions, but to me, this was a series bound to go seven. Uh, the talent on these teams is just so incredible on both sides and I'm not surprised that it's 1-1 heading into uh heading into uh New York but um you have to like if you're the Astros where you're at you come out of there 1-1 you have Garrett Cole going on game three um there's no question I, I think at this point in the season everything's a must win but it's fair to say the Astros really 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 needed this one and, and Carlos Correa delivered it to them I, the, the reason I say I felt like it was a must win for the Astros is it, Verlander versus Paxton. Okay, that if you're the Yankees and you sitting there today, you're disappointed that you lost last night. But Verlander versus Paxton, you beat Granky, you, you come out of that, you're like, okay, we're one-one. If you're the Yankees, heading back into uh, Yankee Stadium, and you were right in there in a game against Verlander, and obviously you got Cole coming up. That's no, that's that's even tougher, maybe, or, or just as tough, but. You, you were right there. I, I, again, I, I felt like if you were the Astros, if, you know, if that had been a, a, a Yankees win, coming into New York down 0-2, having thrown one of your two aces and getting an L, that would have, uh, that would have been even worse. There were a lot of interesting things. You, you mentioned, I thought that the, the Correa play to throw out LeMahieu was outstanding. And I, and I, and I say that, Mainly because I felt like everything in that was, you know, besides Altuve booting it, everything was done right. Um, Correa, again, it's not it, – you would expect a shortstop to come over in a situation like that. I'm not saying that. But he rounded it so that when he got the ball, his momentum was taking him to home plate instead of going basically scooping it up as his momentum was taking him towards first base. 
the send I thought was a great send. I, I don't have any problem with the send in that situation. You send them and you say, you know what? It's going to take everything, them doing everything right to get the out. And then Correa uncorks what was just a laser of a throw. I think uh, Darren Woolman said 87 miles an hour, which, okay, this is not on a mound. This is not getting set to throw. This is basically just letting it rip. I, I thought that, you know, that really, I mean, we, that proves to be a game-changing play because without that, uh, there are no extra innings. And, you know, Correa really did square the ball up consistently last night. He had one out that I thought was, uh, uh, I, I thought was an, an easy home run off the bat uh, that ended up going to the deepest part of the park. But I, the thing that just stands out about this series, you said these are two great teams. The other thing that just stands out is, is this was a 3-2 game that was 2-2 for inning after inning after inning last night. But it was one where any swing of the bat could have changed that because this, both these teams have lineups where it, Gary Sanchez had a bad night. He, he did. But at the same time, one different swing and all of a sudden, you know, it would have been a Yankees W. You know, and again, they didn't have Stanton last night, but Aaron Judge did have one of those swings. And this, this Astros lineup is, is somewhat the same way. George Springer, you know, one swing of the bat. Uh, you know, Jose Altuve, uh, you know, Bregman, Alvarez, Gurriel, Correa. Two really good lineups. I give a lot of credit to the pitching staffs on both teams. And I did want to ask you, Kyle, James Paxton, two and a third. Like, uh, you know, very aggressive going to the bullpen for the Yankees. And it did until the 11th inning it worked out. What, what did you think of the, the move to pull Paxton so quickly? Yeah, I mean, I don't really blame Aaron Boone for pulling James Paxton as early as he did. Uh, this bullpen is the strength of this Yankees team. And, I mean, you look at Paxton, two and a third innings, four hits, two walks. I mean, he gave up six base runners to get seven outs. Knowing how good the Yankees bullpen is, knowing that, you know, you don't have a lot of room for error here against this Astros lineup, I'm fine with it. To me, that's not why they lost the game. I mean, especially when you consider, you know, run prevention wasn't their problem, as, as Boone mentioned in the post-game press conference. It was more generating offense. And I think you have to give the Astros a ton of credit here. Um, obviously, a lot has been talked about these starters, and deservedly so. If you look at the bullpen last night, I mean, Berlander got pulled after six and two-thirds. This bullpen stitched together four and a third scoreless innings with only one hit allowed against a really, really, really good Yankees offense. To me, this is more just give credit to the Astros and their bullpen uh, and give credit to Carlos Correa for coming up with some big plays at big moments. And I think a lot of times in the postseason, we look for people to blame, but I've always kind of had this philosophy that if you make it to the final four of anything, whether it's the college football playoff, the final four of the NCAA tournament, AFC, NFC conference championship games, conference finals, league championship series, everyone at this point is so good. You have no, nothing to be ashamed about if you end up losing at this point in the season. Obviously, it, it hurts. It's difficult. But right now, we're talking about the Yankees and the Astros, the two best teams in baseball for my money. It can go either way. And I, I don't consider this a failure on the Yankees' part, losing this game, as much as I consider it just a really good win for the Astros. Two really good teams got together. Someone was going to win. Someone was going to lose. And the Astros outlasted them. That, that's not a failure on the Yankees' part. That's a credit to the Astros. And this, there's going to be a lot more back and forth this series. That, that kind of, to me, is a perfect kind of segue. Um, we are getting ready today for game three of the NLCS, which is 
Nationals, Cardinals. Right now, the Nationals hold what feels like, a, you know, maybe I'm oversplaying things, but feels like a commanding 2-0 lead right now. But I, I want to go back to, you know, again, we're not going to cover every moment of, of, of the Friday and Saturday games. We figure you've kind of digested those by now. But, but one thing that does jump out to me, I felt like Adam Wainwright, they, you know, the, the Cardinals got everything that you could have hoped for from Adam Wainwright, uh, you know, on that game on Saturday. He was great. I mean, he maxed Max Scherzer really kind of pitch for pitch. But the, the thing that did surprise me is, and I wanted to ask you, because again, I, I'm a little, I understand the Cardinals, you know, I understand Mike Schultz not having a whole lot of trust in his bullpen. I get it. But I never would have imagined that Adam Wainwright would face 30 batters in a game in the series. That did, did you think he went a little too, you know, uh, uh, again, not just looking at it in hindsight. You know, we can look at it and say, well, yeah, he gave up runs, you know, in the eighth. But did you feel like that, that maybe they got a little greedy by trying to get a little bit more out of Wainwright than really you, you probably should have? I think they got way got one batter too greedy. You know, Adam Wainwright was dealing. You know, we talk about 70 and 80 grade pitches. His curveball was oh, a yeah. 70 or 80 grade pitch that night. I mean, there was this, there was that bat with Juan Soto in particular. Soto looked so lost. I mean, it was incredible watching Adam Wainwright pitch and just keep landing that curveball over and over and over again. But when it got to Adam Eaton there in the uh, in the eighth inning, that's when you want to pull him, especially with Andrew Miller ready to go in the bullpen at that point. Um, and the Cardinals actually have enough bullpen arms. Uh, Andrew Miller, Ryan Helsey, Giovanni Gallegos. Like, they're not short of good relievers. Again, I think this was definitely something, and we see this, where managers want to stick with their veteran guy who's been really, really good for them and so critical to this franchise for so long. Um, again, it was one batter too many, and that did end up hurting them, especially when you go get another run in the ninth all of a sudden instead of a potentially a 1-1 game, it's 3-1. to one. Um, But by the same token – you know, there's always so many singular moments in the playoffs that decide things. At the same time, the Cardinals have – their offense has not woken up yet against this Nationals pitching staff. And it's really, really, really hard to try and win a baseball game when you have four hits and one run in two games. Yes. Uh, so, yes, Adam Wainwright was left in one batter too long. That was not the wisest move. But – it's not like there was a ton of run support he was working with in the first place. And I put the loss more on that aspect of the Cardinals than I do that singular moment, even though it wasn't, it wasn't the best move at the time. And, and I've got bad news for the Cardinals. Like, okay, now, so now you get to face Steven Strasburg. So it's not going to get a whole lot easier tonight. You it's know? not. One, one thing that I think the Cardinals can feel a little good about is it's not as if the Nationals have been blowing them out either. The Nationals are not scoring a ton of runs on their end. Miles Michaelis pitched really, really well. Six innings, one run allowed. We talked about Adam Wainwright pitching excellent until he was left in one batter too long. I, I do feel like if you're the Cardinals while you're down 2-0, going back to D.C., it's definitely an uphill battle. But you have Flaherty. You have your guy taking the ball in game three. You're, for the most part, your pitching staff has done a good job holding down a talented offense. I do feel like the Cardinals are still in this. Now, obviously, they have an uphill battle. But I wouldn't go so far as to say, oh, it's over. The Nats are going to wrap this up before they have to go back to St. Louis. And I still think the Cardinals are going to have a little bit of fight in them. And I do expect the series to go probably six games when all is said and done. I don't. I think that the Nationals will wrap this up while they remain in D.C. 
Hey, I picked the Yankees and the Cardinals in my preseason predictions, so I'm, I'm kind of holding out for that to, to happen so I can uh, get something right in my preseason predictions. Everything else I picked went way wrong. But, no, I think yeah, – I, I just think – because, hey, and if you're a Cardinals fan, having Jack Flaherty on the mound tonight feels very good too. Like, I, again, there's no, there's no part of this where you say, oh, well, you know, got to face Strasburg. No, it's, it's, it is a matchup of two more. Again, we've seen a lot of great starting pitchers so far. But two more great starting pitchers in this game. That said, I just do think – I think that I've got to give credit to this Nationals team. If they make it through – the Dodgers and the Cardinals to get – I will say this for them. Okay, this is getting way too far out ahead. But the path that they would have to take to win the World Series, which would include beating the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and then either the Astros or the Yankees, I know you can say – everyone can say what you want about short playoff series and all that. That would be about as impressive a run of what you would of giants you would have to vanquish during the postseason as you can get. That would be incredible, and especially for this fran- especially for this franchise. Yes. And and you know, being there during the NLDS, ta- hearing them talk, you know, this is a team that's been playing essentially for its life since the end of May. I mean, they were nineteen and thirty-one. A lot of that was injury related, but they've been crawling out of a hole all season. I mean, down to the wild wild card game. I mean. They have never taken their foot off the gas, and there's something to be said for that. This is a team that's had to play a high caliber of baseball for five, six months now, and more so than a lot of other teams, and and they continue to do it. And it's super impressive. And, you know, I feel like Dave Martinez gets a lot of flack for some of his, his managerial moves. And don't get me wrong, there were a couple that, you know, you can look at and say that's a little odd. But right now he's operating with a six-man pitching staff. That's, that is literally what the Nationals are working with. They have their four starters and two good relievers, Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle. That's and by the way, they won game – you know, we're not getting into that. We are not. But, right, but they, they won, won game, game one without, without one of those relievers too. And, and Sanchez pitched great. You have to get Anna Ball, who's oh, that's, been a po- quietly been a postseason assassin. I, I put up his career postseason stats after the game. He's been great in the postseason. But I, I think you have to give a ton of credit to the Nationals for – Finding a way with, in reality, a six-man pitching staff and finding a way to piece it together, I think Martinez has done a really, really good job managing that. Even going back to game one of the NLDS, they're down 2-0, and rather than waste those arms then, he goes out and just throws Strickland and, and Rodney and says, all right, this is, this is what it is. We're not winning this game. Let's save our best arms for another day. I, I really like what he and the Nationals have done and how they've pieced this together. And you know, good per- – and, and by the way, his starting pitchers make it easy what they've done these first two games. You have Sanchez and Scherzer taking no-hitters deep into the game. It makes the manager's, a manager's job a lot best easier. friend. Yeah, makes the manager's job a lot easier. So the players are playing well. Um, for the most part, I think the managing has gone well, and that's why the Nationals are where they are. Give them a ton of credit. It's, it's more about them playing really well than I think it is anyone else's fault at this point over the long haul. And before we wrap up, because Strasburg's going on the mound, you've written a piece that we'll have up at Baseball America in the not-too-distant future. Um, but, you know, with Strasburg going on the mound tonight, Strasburg has been really exceptional in the postseason period. Um, and, yes, we're also not going to relitigate the postseason he didn't uh, participate in. But what does it mean? Like, uh, you know, as much as we talk about Max Scherzer, who is undoubtedly an ace, but, but Steven Strasburg, for a guy who came into pro baseball as lauded, as hyped, as 
with as high an expectations as someone could possibly have. The thing that really stands out a, a decade later is, is you know what? It depends on what your expectations, but you really can't look at this career and say anything to me and say anything other than, man, this has been, he's been really good. Yeah. As you mentioned, I dove into that uh, for the upcoming article and the upcoming issue of the magazine. Um, you go back and look over the course of the decade. He's been one of the top 20 starting pitchers in baseball by pretty much every measure wins, ERA, K rate, strikeout to walk ratio. I mean, pick, pick your favorite stat. He's been one of the top 20 starters this decade. He's consistently come up big in the postseason when he's pitched. And, you know, just talking to him a little bit uh, during some of the press conferences and talking to his teammates, one of the big things that's come up is he's just comfortable with himself now. You know, he's 31 years old. He's, he has a sense of who he is, and he's not as worried. Uh, you know, even though he always handled a lot of the expectations externally, you know, he's pretty composed through all of it. Um, you know, Ryan Zimmerman, you know, has been his teammate literally since he came into professional baseball, or I should say, uh, reached the majors, talked about, you know, he, he seems a little bit, everything's a little looser now. He can just go out and pitch and not worry about trying to be the next, you know, Hall of Fame right-hander. And I think we're seeing that. He led the majors and uh, he led the National League in innings pitched this year. Uh, a year after he's dealt with some injuries, he's really grown and matured as a pitcher. It's not just, you know, big fastball. He's, he's really, you know, Dave Martinez talked about he lost some velo uh, after his injuries last year and really had to learn how to pitch a little more, and he's taken that into this year. I think in some ways we're seeing the most complete Steven Strasburg we've seen, and the Nationals are reaping the rewards. This has been a really, really, really good starting pitcher now that he's, you know, 31 years old and has some of the wizened veteran attitudes of, of what to do and how to perform both on the mound and in the clubhouse. Um, in some ways, not always, but in some ways, I think we're seeing the best version of Steven Strasburg and Dave Martinez said as much uh, at the start of the NLDS. But it'll be fun to watch tonight. I will also say I, I do hope it finishes maybe maybe before midnight Eastern time. Would be uh, <laughs> would be nice for uh, old guys like me. But uh, but I do hope it is half as as entertaining as last night's game was. So we will be back again tomorrow to analyze the the game three in the NLCS, but also look ahead to game three in the ALCS, which we have. I mean, Tuesday will be another uh, another double dip. We'll have uh, we'll have. Astros, Yankees in the afternoon, and then Nats and Cardinals at night, which conceivably, depending on what happens tonight, could even we could be talking about a uh, Nationals going to uh, you know trying to clinch a uh, berth in the World Series. So we have a, we'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow as well. But for Kyle Glazer, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.